Well, we have been in a series. Last Sunday, we, we kind of didn't go to the series. We did something else. But this morning, I want to I go back uh, and, and just share with you. We've been talking about keys to the kingdom. And, and what we've been uh, looking at is the fact that Jesus, He told His disciples, I give you the keys, not a key, but the keys to the kingdom. In other words, Jesus handed His keys to His disciples, who in turn handed the keys to their disciples until, guess what? They have been handed to us. And those keys open doors. They open, they give us access to provisions in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, as if you've been here before, Jesus said the kingdom of God is near. It's at hand. Jesus also said the kingdom of God is within you. And so there will be a day when Jesus will sit on a throne and we will see him, okay? He's sitting on a throne now, we just can't see him. But he, there will be a day when there will, the, the aspects of that kingdom, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he's Lord and that he's king. But we carry the kingdom within us. And whenever we manifest the love of God or the power of God, the kingdom of God is manifest. And so God has given us keys that give us access to what we need. But if we don't use the right keys, we can't unlock what we need. And we've been talking about that. And we've looked at several keys. And I'm not going to go back this morning and kind of look at those. But this morning, I want us to look at what I call the use it or lose it key. Okay? Use it or lose it key. That's what we're going to call this this morning. I think you'll understand what I'm talking about. But there's a natural principle at work in every one of us. It's called the law of habit. And basically what the law of habit says this is that whatever we exercise, whatever we focus on, whatever we do with repetition becomes stronger. And what we neglect and what we don't use becomes weaker until it eventually is lost or or it's just we're just unable to unable to use it years ago uh in march of 1979 i can tell you when the three mile uh island nuclear reactor melted down because i watched it from a bed okay and most of you are too young to remember that but some of us are old enough to to have remembered that that's just how I gauge this time. I was, uh, I was going through some stuff with, with lower back issues, and they were pretty severe. I'd get up every morning. I'd roll, I'd say, get up. I would roll out of bed onto the floor, and I'd work my way up from the floor on my hands and knees till I could stand up semi-straight, and I'd go to work. And I'd hurt all day long. And finally, it just got so bad, I was having pain. I wasn't having pain in my back anymore. I was having it down my legs. There were spots that were hurting that, I mean, I don't care what you did. They just wouldn't hurt. I, it was it was debilitating. And so I finally went to see a doctor. I went to see an orthopedic group. And, and this will tell you how long this has been. East End Hospital. Those of you that know where East End Hospital. It was still a hospital, okay? And so I went to see Dr. Slappy Slappy Faulkner Faulkner Morrison Cannon. Okay, this is before they all had 15 sons and all their names were up there, okay? And uh, doctor came in and basically said, 
man, we're going to have to put you in the hospital. And so for two weeks, they strapped me into what I call a medieval torture device, okay? It's called traction, okay? Basically what they did is they put a belt around your waist and ran a string over the end of the bed in a pulley and put weights on it, okay? Nobody told me that at night I could take it off, okay? So for two weeks, night and day, I was in traction. And then they sent me, and you don't even stay in the hospital anymore for two weeks, okay? They sent me home, and my doctor told me, he said, Nelson, I don't want you to get out of the bed except to go to the restroom. Now, I was 23 years old, okay? I thought, this is going to be pretty good. This has been the dream of my lifetime to figure out a way to sleep and, and lounge around. But you know what? You can only watch so much TV, about an hour or two. And there's not much on during the day. Okay, you can only read so much at one time. And I love to read, but, you know, two or three hours and that's it. You can only count the holes in the tile in the ceiling or the stipple so many times. And so for two weeks, I went stir crazy. And finally, for six, or six weeks, well, that had been eight weeks. Basically, I'd been in the bed. And, and the doctor said, I want you to get up and start walking again. I thought, man, I can't wait. So I've jumped up. And you know what? I couldn't walk but about 100 feet. What had happened is I hadn't used the muscles in my legs it just except a little bit. And what they had done is they'd started to atrophy. They started to shrink up. And I learned a lesson that what you don't use, you will lose. Now, there's a spiritual, that natural principle is also a spiritual principle. And today I want to show you how it works in the kingdom of God. Okay, listen to me. I'm not talking about salvation this morning. I want everybody to understand that. I'm not talking about salvation. All right? Everybody with me. Say it with me. We understand, Pastor. Okay. When God saves you, He saves you, and you can't lose it. Okay? That's what I believe. I believe the Bible teaches that. If you don't believe that and you want to argue a while, I'll sit and listen to you after the service, but not right now. I believe that, that, that God is the author of salvation and when He gives something, He does not take it back and you didn't do anything to earn it or deserve it, so therefore you can't do anything to lose it. All right? Amen? Amen. So I'm not talking about salvation this morning. I'm talking about some other things. All right? But God has given each of us what I call, and I hope the only reason I call it so I, that you'll remember, is a use-it-or-lose-it key to access the resources of heaven. And, and as I mentioned earlier, those resources give us the provisions we need to overcome the enemy in every situation or circumstance that we face. But the reason most of us are experiencing a continual defeat, or at least constant harassment, is that we're not using the key on a consistent basis. I may use it today, but I may put it in my pocket and not use it for six months. So I want to set the stage this morning. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus has just taught a parable. It's a very famous parable. Every preacher preaches this parable, okay? It, is, it, it, it makes a wonderful salvation message. I just don't think it's necessarily a salvation message, all right? And if you want to argue with me about that, form the line behind the people that think you can lose your salvation, and I'll listen to that too. But it's a, it's a, very, uh, a very 
well-preached passage. And it's the passage of the sower and the seeds. You're familiar with that. Jesus, Jesus sat down and he, he talked about the sower that went out to sow. And, and this sower sowed, uh, he, he sowed seeds. Some of the seeds fell on the side of the road. Some of the seeds fell in rocky places. Some of the seeds fell among thorns. And some of the seeds fell in good soil. And when, when, you, when you read that, we wonder why did he plant them in those three bad places and, and in the good places? Because when they planted seed, they broadcasted. Y'all, y'all heard the term broadcast. Now we have these little crank jobs that just throw it out or you push it. And that's what happens. Your seeds go all over the place. And that's what Jesus was saying. He broadcast the seeds. He sowed the seeds. He let them fall where they may. And Jesus is teaching that parable. And remember, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Okay? Jesus uh, is, is, is often taught in parables. And those parables were really revelations. They were revelations about the kingdom of God. They were kingdom truths to those who were truly listening. See, Jesus spoke the message. But not everybody that was following him was listening to him. Some of them were there for the circus show. Y'all do realize that, don't you? Some of them were there for the food. Hey, this dude can turn bread and loaves. We got a continuous meal ticket here. Some of them were there to be wild, and some of them were there just to gripe and complain. Okay? But there were a handful of people that were listening. They were following. And they were, they were absorbing what Jesus was saying. Jesus often would teach deep things in parables. And, and those parables, as I said, they were, they were literally revelations. And the, the disciples one day, after he had, had taught this parable, they came to him. And they said in Matthew chapter 13, verse 10, the disciples came and said to Jesus, why do you speak to them in parables? See, he wasn't speaking to his disciples in parables. In other places, you'll you'll find the disciples saying, well, Lord, you've spoken very plainly there. We sort of understand what you're saying. But he says, why do you teach them in parables? And I want you to listen very carefully to his response because I think it contains and it sort of explains the lose it, uh, the use it or lose it key very succinctly. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 13 and we're going to look at verses 11 through 13. That's what we're going to concentrate on. We're not going to concentrate on the parable, okay? Because I think the explanation for the parable is found in 11 through 13, even before Jesus explains it even more clearly in verse 18 through 23. It says, And Jesus answered, and he said to them, he said to who? His disciples, those that were walking with him, those that were following. He says, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it's not been granted. Hmm. Let that settle on you a minute. I didn't say that. John Calvin didn't say that. None of his disciples said that. Jesus said that. Some, to some, it's clear. To others, it's not. And there's a reason. For whoever has, to him shall be given. More shall be given. And he shall have an abundance. 
But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they don't see. And while hearing, they don't hear, nor do they understand. And I believe this passage contains a tremendous principle that every one of us have to come to grips with. If we learn to use it and we learn it, we'll be blessed. And if we don't, we'll lose it. Okay? And we won't have access to the provisions we need to be victorious on a daily basis. Now, this principle is a little long. I could have probably shrunk it down more succinctly. So what I say and what's on the screen are basically the same things. I'm going to try to shrink it a little bit. But Jesus always gives us the revelation that we need. And that revelation always exceeds the fulfillment of our needs. In other words, He gives us what we need, but we have to activate the revelation. We have to hear what He's saying and we have to act on it. Are y'all with me? He always gives us what we need. He reveals it. He's revealed it in His Word. It's here. This is the revelation of who God is. This is the revelation of the things that we need to know for life and godliness. This is is Jesus' revelation. There are times when, when He speaks to our spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit will speak to us. But anytime we need something, if we will listen, God will show it to us. For some of you this morning, God spoke to you in in one of the Psalms. Okay? And you got exactly what you needed for this moment in your life. Okay? Some of you, there's somebody here today that somebody has already said something to you in greeting or whatever that, that, that spoke to a place in your heart. It was revelation from God. Some of you are going to hear something that God says this morning through the Scriptures. That's going to meet your need. But, but the revelation is there. But we have to hear it. And we have to act on it. Okay? We can't just be hearers. We have to be doers. You'll hear me say that again and again. But if we hear the revelation. But we don't act on it. You know what happens? We never experience it. And if we don't use it, what happens? We lose it. Or we have little access to what we need. We have to act on what we hear. We have to use it or we lose it. Now let's look at what Jesus says here. And this principle I think will be more transparent. It will be easier to understand. Jesus declares that, that his disciples. And by extension that truth belongs to us. Because we are his disciples. We are followers of Christ. That's what a Christian is. Someone who has has experienced the the salvation of Jesus Christ has been born again through the power of of the Holy Spirit. We are disciples. We are followers of Christ. And so Jesus declares that we've been granted the privilege of knowing the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Now, Paul talks about mysteries. And that word in the New Testament, whenever that word is used, it's not like a, a... A detective mystery where we have to find the clues and stumble into something. No, a mystery in Scripture is something that God has yet to reveal. Okay? It's one of of the deep things of God that He has not yet revealed. And so a mystery is a truth. It's a promise or it's an event 
that God hasn't revealed. And every time Jesus taught a parable, he was giving revelation. Okay? I want you to hear me. He's not just telling stories here to entertain the crowds. He's just not using stuff that everybody understood just to, to, he's giving revelation. He is speaking from God's heart to their minds and to their hearts. From God's lip to their hearts. And so, he's speaking something that has to be received. It has to be treasured and it has to be acted on it. A, A revelation is a revealing. It's, a, it's a, an unveiling of something that's not previously known except by God. It's the drawing back of the curtain on something that's unknown. I love what Deuteronomy 29, 29 says. It says the secret things. What are the secret things? Those are the things that are only known to God. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But listen to what he says. But the things revealed, those things that have come through revelation, belong to us. And not just to us, but to our sons and daughters forever, that we may observe all the words of the law. See, when God reveals something, it belongs to His children. It belongs to all of them, not just to one or two of us. It belongs to all of us. The Bible is God's revelation of His secrets to His people. That's that's all this is. This is His heart revealed to us. There is treasures revealed. But they're only revealed to those who are listening. I can't tell you how many people I have talked to who say, you know what, I read the Bible, but I don't understand a word it's saying. You know what, I read the Bible, and there are some things I don't understand. I'm a lot like Mark Twain. It's not what I don't understand that bothers me. It's the things I do understand. And you know what? Mark Twain was not a believer. God has revealed these things. I love what Jesus says. And He says this over and over and over in Scripture. In Matthew 13, 9, He says, He who has ears, let him hear. You say, well, we've all got ears. We don't all have spiritual ears. Even if we are born again. So you have to listen to the Holy Spirit to hear what God is saying. I love what Amos chapter 3 verse 7 says. Surely the Lord does nothing unless He reveals His secret counsel. What's His secret counsel? His mysteries. Those things He's not revealed up to this point. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless He reveals His secret counsel to His servants, the prophets. Hosea 12.10 says this, I have spoken to the prophets, and I gave numerous visions, and through the prophets I gave what? Parables. Parables. Earthly stories with heavenly meanings. Folks, a prophet is a person who hears the voice of God and speaks what he heard. There's not a person in this room that can't be prophetic. Okay? You can hear God speak and you can say what God has spoken. Jesus says that we've been granted the privilege of hearing, hearing, and knowing these things. That word granted is an interesting word. It means that God has bestowed on us or imparted a great privilege to us. 
He's given us the provisions we need for life and for godliness and victory through that revelation. He's granted it to us. And that word granted is in the past tense. Which means it's done. Which means everything we need, when we need it, is already set in place for us so that we can access it. Are y'all... Are y'all Traveling with me because I cannot tell. Some of y'all are looking at me like, Nelson, we're, you're not the same pastor from last week. No, I'm not, okay? I, I've gone through a valley. I've come out in a different place. And you know what? I'm going to trust God. I don't have answers, but you know what? I don't need answers to trust God. I'm still going to follow Him because you know why? I know He loves me and He loves you, okay? So, some of you nod your head, do this, just, or just smile, okay? It's okay. But folks, He's granted it to us. He's given it to us already. Everything we need, we already possess. If we've been listening. Any of y'all ever get in trouble for not listening? My brother and I have been... Uh, a couple of months ago, went through my mom and dad's stuff. And my mom kept everything that you could keep and put in a cedar chest, okay? Every one of my report cards are there. There's a little section on my little blue report card that gets marked every time. You know what it was? Talks too much, does not listen. Talks too much, does not... I checked them. I thought, surely... This little boy will have got it because I can remember my dad was not really happy with that. He could care less about most of the other stuff. He wanted to know how, what I made on conduct. Talks too much, does not listen. All the way through school. Folks, we don't listen. But if we've been listening and we've been acting on what we've heard, then we have what we need. So we've been granted that privilege. But the word know means that you and I can experience it. He says, to you has been granted to know. You've not just been given the privilege, but you've been given the privilege of understanding the mysteries of the kingdom. And so if we understand them, guess what? They're not mysteries anymore. They're tools that we can use. They're tools that we know to reach for in this situation or that circumstances. And so he's saying you can know these things. You can fully comprehend them. You can discover them and you can recognize these revelations, these provisions. Folks, the opportunity is there for every born again believer if, if that person takes it. You and I have a choice in what happens to us, and whether we are victorious or whether we get crushed day in and day out. It's whether or not we're going to listen and act. Okay? A lot of you are praying, Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that. And God's saying, you get up and you do it. I've already given you permission. I've already given you authority. I've already given you power. None of you mamas are carrying around 21, 22-year-old babies, are you? Why? They get too big to carry around. They need to learn to walk on their own. 
We don't eat for our children. They have to learn to eat for themselves. Sometimes we pray stuff. Listen, I pray stuff, and, I, and I'll get through it, and I'll think, that's the stupidest thing in the world. God's already given me permission to do that. I don't even have to ask him about it. As a pastor, very often, I'll talk to somebody, and I'll say, would you think about doing this? And they give me that, that holy answer that makes me grit my teeth. I'm going to have to pray about it, Pastor. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? I've used that excuse too. Most of the things we don't have to pray about because we know God wants us to do it. It's We don't want to do it. You know what? If I ask you that and you don't want to do it, just say, Pastor, I don't want to do that. And I'll love you just as much. Okay? It's when you tell me you're going to pray about it, and I don't ever hear from you again, (laughs) that it bothers me. Okay, I'm off on a rabbit trail. We're going to come back here. But but God says that, that Jesus says we can know. We can experientially experience it. But we have to choose what we do with it. We have to activate those promises. Okay? We have to use those promises. That's what I'm saying. Because if we don't use them, guess what happens? If we start making excuses, or we misuse them, or we we just don't use them, guess what happens? You can watch those promises atrophy in your life. And they will disappear. And you will eventually lose them. Folks, these mysteries are not for everyone. These truths are not for everyone. They're only for God's kids. Those who've been chosen by God. Those who've been born again into the kingdom of God through the finished work of Jesus and and the power of the Holy Spirit. These these mysteries are hidden to those who don't know Christ. As I said earlier, Jesus was not telling parables to entertain people. He he wasn't talking to to farmers and and people in the agricultural realm here in chapter 13. Uh, He wasn't telling them what soil to plant their seeds in. Okay? He wasn't given an agricultural lesson. He was revealing heavenly treasures. He was giving revelation to those who were pursuing Him. To those who were pressing in. Okay? You can follow and not press in. Those that press in, find what they're looking for. And those that just follow willy-nilly, aimlessly, they wander around. Wondering what's going on. Why is God not doing this? Why is God not doing that? God must not love me. I must be a stinking, dirty, rotten sinner. Whatever. All those excuses. That's because you're not pressing in. You're not focused on what you're doing. Folks, Jesus was feeding those who were spiritually hungry. And He wasn't just feeding them Jack's hamburgers and fries. He was feeding them... Uh, a banquet meal from God's table. Tragically, though, not everyone was listening. Not everyone valued the treasure that he was laying out there. Now, many of them that heard the words, the promises and the provisions and, and the detailed pathway of, of what to do to, to have victory, they heard it, but you know what? They never acted on it. They never activated their faith. It's not enough to be a hearer only. Okay, It's not enough to memorize Scripture. If you don't do Scripture, 
If you don't act on it, James 1.23 says, But prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. Folks, it's not enough to simply know in your intellect the promises of God. It's not enough to memorize them and file them away in your mind. The promises have to be acted on. They have to be put into action. They have to be exercised according to the natural law of habit. Guess who came up with the law of habit? We didn't. God did. Whatever you exercise gets stronger. Whatever you activate becomes more powerful. Whatever you walk in, it becomes a, a different. The world un, unveils. It opens up. It, the mystery is revealed. The curtain gets pulled back. Folks, you ha- we have to act on them. We've got to dig them out. We've got to uncover them. We have to stand on them even when times get tough. And when it appears that everything else is hopeless, we still have to stand on those promises. I mentioned this Wednesday as I, as I, I talked about Russ. But over and over, Russ and I, we talked about life and we talked about death. And over and over, he would tell me, I'm standing on God's promises. I'm standing on God's promises. He said, I'm standing on them. And those promises were revelations from God's mouth to Russ's heart. And we'd encourage each other with that. And over and over, we'd, we'd, we'd encourage each other with, you know what? God can't lie. God won't lie. And I can remember a few weeks ago going to visit him. And uh, it was in the, one of those periods when, man, he, he was really close to death. I mean, I, I was... I've been around enough hospitals that I was very concerned. I couldn't hear him. He wasn't speaking. But I heard him whisper, God cannot lie. God cannot lie. You know, Russ was exercising the promises of God. He was exercising the revelation that he had been given, that Jesus is talking about here. And you know what? He was growing. His body was getting weaker, but his faith and his spirit, his inner man was growing. It was growing in, 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 in spirit. It was growing in peace. It was growing in faith. It was growing in relationship with Jesus. He was gaining more and more life and more faith and more peace. He was getting exactly what he needed for that moment. And folks, that's exactly what Jesus promises here in Matthew chapter 13, verse 12. He says, for whoever has, whoever listens and acts on the revelation of God, to him or to her more shall be granted. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away. You hear what Jesus said there? Now, we don't like that. Well, the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poor. We don't like that because, you know what? We live in a nation where the prevailing belief of government and the prevailing uh, belief of our culture is is to take from those who have and give it to the have-nots. It's the Robin Hood syndrome. We rob from the rich, we give to the poor. Now, listen to me. I want you to hear me say this. I believe the Bible teaches us to take care of those who are poor. 
and those who cannot provide for themselves. But just because someone's lazy, the Bible does not command me to take care of all their needs and all their desires, okay? Don't amen me right there, okay? Because this translates spiritually, all right? This translates spiritually. It doesn't command me to take care of people who, 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 are, who have been given the permission to do nothing and expect that every need they have or desire they have will be fulfilled. Most people, this is, a, this is a law of reality. This is a law of nature. This is the law of the jungle. I know you will hate to hear that. But those who have, have because they go after it. And those, most of the time, those who don't. There are some exceptions, okay? When the haves take it away. But most people who don't have it on a consistent basis are those that gripe and complain and don't get up off their lazy boy and do anything about it. Okay? You say, now, Brother Nelson, that's just kind of tough. That's just the real world we live in. When I say have, I don't mean you have everything, but you have what you need. You don't have everything you want. Folks, a lot of people, instead of activating their resources, have buried them in fruit jars in the backyard. Our nation has become a nation of entitled rather than a nation of active investors. I'm not talking about the stock market. I'm just talking about investing what I have been given. Being good soil so that the seed which was sowed on me can produce something. If you read this parable Jesus taught, he talks about 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Well, we all want the 100-fold. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're farming and you get back 30-fold, that means you can plant again next year and you can eat off what you got. Does that make sense? If we don't invest what has been given to us, the revelation that we have received, if we don't invest it, how can we expect to have our needs met? How can we expect to have our spiritual needs met, much less our physical needs met? This happens in the church, spiritually speaking. For some reason, believers think all they have to do is profess the name of Jesus and Jesus will take care of all their troubles, cares, and needs regardless of what they do. That's not Bible. That's entitlement. That's not Scripture. It's not biblical. It's not faith. It's entitlement. It's a lie. Folks, I've said this over and over. I'll continue to say this. But Jesus will not do for us what he has given us authority, power, and permission to do for ourselves. You say, well, I don't know what that is. Get a book. Start in Matthew. Work your way through the book of Revelation. You'll find more than you can handle right there. But if you think you've got enough, start in Genesis Work your way through Malachi. There, everything we need for life and godliness, according to the Apostle Paul, is right here. If we'll just look at it, God's revealed it. He's revealed the secret things to us, and what He's revealed belongs to us. But folks, if I won't take what is mine, and I won't act on it, and I won't invest it, how can I expect to spiritually live tomorrow? Well, maybe Jesus will come back. 
I hope he does. But if you're hunkered down in your foxhole waiting on him and not doing anything, he's not going to be really happy with you. Okay? You say, well, show me that in Scripture. I can. Okay? I can. Say, Nelson, why? You got sort of a bee under your bonnet this morning. Well, the truth is the truth. Okay? We have to get up off of our lazy boys. Okay? And we have to exercise the promises and the Word of God to see the revelation become an experiential reality in our life. I have to be a doer of the Word. I have to be someone who's obedient. Those, all three of those things are the same thing. I, don't, I can't just close my eyes and God will go, there's my son, poof. I'll make everything great for him. Poof, 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 poof. It, that's not Scripture. That's fairy tale Christianity. And everyone lived happily ever after. Okay? Jesus says that the one who treasures the revelation and presses into it, who steps out in faith, even when everybody else thinks you're crazy, receives an abundance of revelation. You know what happens in, in those periods when revelation starts to make sense to you? Everywhere you turn in Scripture, you start to see things. And you get more, and you get more. God unveils more and more. Abundance means excess. It means overflow. It means lavish amounts. In other words, those who activate their faith and step out in faith have more than they need to defeat the enemy at every turn. Folks, God is an extravagant giver. And nothing pleases Him more than an active faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, And without faith it's impossible to please God. For he, comes to, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. If I seek him, okay, if I stand on what he's revealed, if I put into practice what he shows me regardless of what my brother or sister in Christ says, hey, you're nuts, you're crazy, why, why would you believe that stuff? That's not what God meant. God doesn't do that anymore. No, if I put into practice and I act on faith on what He's told me, you know what? God moves. God moves. It pleases Him and He rewards the one who, who it, He's pleased about. Jesus put it this way. In Matthew chapter 13, the first part of verse 12, He says, For whoever has... To the one who's exercising and activating his faith, more will be given, and he shall have an abundance. Now, there's another option, okay? There's another choice that, as people, we can make. And many in the church seem to be living at this address, okay? This is their box number. Jesus put it this way in the second part of Matthew chapter 13, verse 12. He says, but whoever does not... That tells me there's a choice. I can choose to have it or I can choose not to have it. Whoever does not, does not listen, does not, uh, does not treasure or heed what's been given, who refuses to press in, who, who likes to gripe and complain and wish for better days, who'd rather talk about faith than exercise faith, who refuses to act on the revelation, the promises that they received, 
But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Now to put that in terms we can understand, if you don't use it, you will lose it. Now, I want to know how many of you are listening while I go. I'm not talking about what? I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about resources. I'm talking about provision. I'm talking about when I'm in that tight place on the edge of that cliff and there's no way out. I'm talking about that path that just appears and I walk through it. That door opens and I escape. When I'm, when I'm under temptation and there's no way out that I can find, I'm talking about that door that just swings open and I slide right out. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Folks, if you don't use it, you'll lose it as well as everything else. The Christian life, the kingdom of God that Jesus died to give us is not a static life. We don't, when we come to Christ, we don't get on a train car that sits on the track for the next 40, 50, 60, 70 years and waits on the Jesus train to hook to us and take us to heaven. That's not the Christian life. It's not a static life, folks. It's a living pursuit. It's a get up and get after it life, okay? Yes, Grace provides us everything we need. But I've got to take hold of the grace that I've been given. I can't just stare at it and talk about it and describe it to people and and sing songs about it and, and write poetry about it and preach sermons about it. Somewhere along the way, I've got to reach over there, take it, open it up, rub it all over me, get some on the from the outside on the inside and start to live it. Okay? Or it's just an abstract thing. Folks, grace is concrete. It's God's riches that He gives to us. And so to experience the provisions we need, we have to activate God's promises. His provisions always exceed our needs. Amen? Always. But if we refuse to act on what we've already been given, guess what? He might not give us any more. If everything you need is right there, why would God give you more if you're not using what He's already giving you? Think about that for a minute, okay? Why would God trust me with more if I'm not using what He's already entrusted to me? To whom much is given, much is required. If we're going to waste what Jesus gave us at the cost of His life, why would we expect God to give us more? That puts us back into the category of entitlement. Okay? Well, I deserve it. That's another sermon on what we deserve. Okay? I'm going to let that go. Tragically... The words that Jesus speaks at the end of this explanation describe the condition of most of the Christian world, most of the church. He says this in Matthew chapter 13, 14 and 15. He says, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. And you'll keep on seeing, but not perceive. 
For the heart of this people has become dull. And with their ears they scarcely hear. And they have closed their eyes lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their hearts and understand with their hearts and return. And then listen to what he says. And I should heal them. Let me read it again. You will keep on hearing, but not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and with their eyes they scarcely hear, and they have chosen, and they have closed their eyes, lest they shall see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I should heal them. What Jesus is saying is, a vast number of people have made a choice, but unfortunately... It's the wrong choice. Folks, churches across this nation are filled with babies sucking bottles. Okay? And they're not new Christians. They've been Christians for 25, 30, 40, 50, some of them 70 years. They're in this state. They keep on hearing, but they don't understand. They see things all around them, but they don't perceive that it's God. Their hearts become dull. Their ears are closed. Their eyes are closed. What they hear, the revelation that is continually presented to them, it just washes off like water. Folks, too many of God's people have buried His investment in them in the backyard. And they've forgotten about the promises. Or times got tough. And God didn't act like I thought God was going to act. I got discouraged and I gave up. Listen to me. When it comes to the revelation of God, when it comes to, to His personal promise to those of us who belong in His kingdom, if we don't act on those revelations, we lose those things. We lose the provisions. We don't have what we need. God cannot lie. Either these promises are yes and amen, or let's shut the book, shut the doors, turn the lights out, cancel our lease, and do something else. This is either truth or it's not. It's not something to debate or discuss. It's something to be lived. And if we're not willing to live it, do something else. You say, Nelson, don't say that. That's not a way to grow the church. No, but if, if you grow a church with people who are willing to live out what they believe, that church will be different. It will be different. It will walk in places that the average Christian will never walk in. It's not, ooh, that kind of stuff. It's just faith. It's just faith, okay? So what are you doing with the key you have right now. Are you pressing into God? Are you holding on to His promises no matter the situation or the circumstances? Are you wasting time? Are you expending little or no faith, wandering around in circles, waiting on God to do something He's already given you a promise or the power or authority to do? Are you activating the revelation that you have been given are you waiting? And this is where a lot of people are. You're waiting on a better one to come along. I don't particularly like that one. That revelation may have been honor 
your husband. It may have been honor and love your wife. It may have been uh, share with that neighbor. It may have been give that person a helping hand up. It may have been stop coveting what your neighbors have. It, it could be anything, okay? Are you waiting for a different revelation to come up around? Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13. In the end of the parable, he said this, And others, and others, the seeds, the revelation of, of, of seed, in, 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 the revelation of God in seed form, and others fell on good soil. That's revelation, that's the seed. And yielded a crop. They were activated by faith, and they were exercised by action. And others fell on good soil and yielded a crop. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let her hear. Let's pray. Father, this morning. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.